0: Brought to you by JMR Rentals, professional digital cinema and broadcast equipment rentals in Brooklyn, New York. JMRNY.com. Hello, and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend. I'm Jason Godby, and joining me via Zoom today, she is the executive producer and star of the new indie film, Balloon Animal, Ms. Catherine Waddell. Welcome, Catherine.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Well, uh, we appreciate you doing this. Uh, you're uh, in town for Brooklyn Film Festival, uh, mm-hmm. which is where we learned about the movie. We covered Brooklyn Film. I'm sorry we couldn't catch you on the red carpet, but this is actually nice as well. Yeah, So we get to talk a little bit longer, and I do want to hear about the film, but uh, first I want to talk to you about you. So how did you get into the old show business game? Uh, What is your origin story?
1: Oh my gosh, okay. Well, my origin story goes way back when I was in fourth grade, and I was in my very first um, musical ever, which was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and I was cast as Mrs. Bucket. And it's kind of been a no brainer for me um, since then. I kind of you know, fell in love with theater at first, which I feel like so many of us do and sort of went from there.
0: So tell me a bit about Balloon Animal, kind of what's the, give me a little bit about the story, and then uh, can you tell me kind of how it came to be?
1: So Balloon Animal is a story about a young woman named Poppy Valentine, who I play in the film, um, who has grown up in her family's traveling circus, and her main gig is pretty much making Balloon Animals. And she's sort of at this crossroads in her life where she is trying to decide if she should... Um stay with her family at the circus, or if she should strike out on her own and sort of settle down and start her own life. And um, for me, it sort of started, it started a couple of years ago. Um, my business partner and I, um, M. Johnson, who wrote and directed the film, we had been working on a couple of projects for um, a couple of years at that point. So we were really good um, working partners at this point. And we were sort of struggling to get work. You know, this business is very cutthroat and it's very hard to get hired sometimes. And we kept sort of going to these film festivals and workshops that were giving us the advice of, you know, oh, you should make your own content, make your own stuff. And so I said, okay, well, what does that world look like? What, what I do. And I came up with this visual as an actor that I thought would be interesting. And that was a girl with blue, blue hair who makes balloon animals in a traveling circus. And I went to M and I was like, we should make a feature film together. And at first she was like, Oh, no, I don't know. I don't know what to kind of do with that um, visual. Like, it's, you know, pretty simple. Um, But a couple of months later, she came back to me and she was like, you know, I'm not doing anything right now. How about we take a stab at it? And that's, you know, she started writing, and we started editing together and workshopping the story, and that's how it came to be.
0: The circus thing is interesting. Um, you know, did you um, was that inspired by anything? Like, did did you grow up in a home full of carnies or something? Or like, <laughs> what? What? Uh, how, how did you get come to? I mean, because she could have made balloon animals on the street
1: yeah, or something like yeah. that. So the original idea where the original visual came from was from my very first job ever. I worked at um, Gator's Dockside in Orlando, Florida, which is a wing house. And like every Friday we used to have balloon animal artists come and make these very amazing balloon animals. So we have, we actually at the very beginning workshopped, you know, this initial idea in many different ways. And we did, we had her working at a restaurant making balloon animals. We had her, you know, at the traveling circus. And we just kind of wanted to go with um, something we had never seen before. So when we see circuses in film, it's always tends to be very beautiful and tends to be very, you know, magnificent, larger than life, very wanderlusty. You know, if you think of The Greatest Showman, Water for Elephants. And um, we were like, let's sort of do the opposite of that. And let's go with a really dilapidated circus that is sort of failing and turn this idea on its head. And that's how we sort of came about with that decision.
0: Tell me a bit about the making of the film. Like, how long did you guys take to make it? Did you guys shoot on location at a circus? Like, how did you get all that to work?
1: Yeah, so it took us about a year and a half to write. And right when we were sort of ready to start fundraising and finding the money for the film, um, the pandemic started. So that was a lot of fun trying to navigate that and trying to find, you know, money for an indie film with, you know, creators that are not already, you know, celebrities or famous in the industry. Um, But we were able to manage eventually. And we actually had to delay the film twice because of the pandemic, which was really, really difficult and caused all sort of, you know, reverberating issues such as, you know, people that we had initially hired were no longer available because when you push film back, everyone's schedule sort of now, you know, become a free for all. So it was difficult, but we finally started um, uh, filming in March, 2021, um, which was, you know, a little delayed, but not too bad. And we filmed for 12 days. It was very, very quick. Yeah, very intense, six days on one day off, but we had just the most amazing killer team ever Um, and you know we were navigating a new world with COVID but I think it I think we did pretty well no one got COVID which was you know the win for us but um, we we found a place called LA Circus um, out in Riverside and um, the owner Winnie she's actually in the Guinness Book of World Records for owning the most like circus memorabilia and, um, cause she, yeah, she used to grow up, she grew up in the circus. So she has a bunch of, um, like this massive lot, just full of stuff. And so we worked with her and we filmed on her lot for six days and, um, yeah, she, you know, they've actually worked with water for elephants and greatest showmen and American horror story and stuff. So we're, we're now part of a big, you know, circus family connected through her.
0: So when you were making this and de- de- dealing with COVID, um. And, you know, having to push the film, I've seen a lot of, I've heard a lot of stories about this. Was yeah. there ever a time when you thought, mm, maybe this ain't going to make it, uh, you know, maybe, you know, it, maybe it's next year or maybe it's, you know, maybe it's never kind of yeah. thing? Did Was there any loss of hope?
1: I mean, I definitely think it was incredibly, incredibly disheartening and disappointing and frustrating every time we had to postpone I think we always postponed because we didn't want to lose hope we didn't ever want to get to a point where we would start and then stop because I think that would have been like way harder you know if we had not been able to get everything right the first time around like you know if we were five days into filming and someone caught COVID and we had to shut everything down that would have been incredibly expensive and that could have been you know even more difficult, like, cause I already mentioned, you know, if you postpone, you lose people. So if we had postponed in the middle of filming, you know, would our costume designer no longer have been able to be available when we restarted Would that, like have been even more difficult. So we were never totally out, but we were definitely like, oh man, this just really sucks. Like having to call everyone up and have, make those phone calls and be like, Hey, like especially the second time, like we're not doing this and we don't know when we're going to pick up again, but we tried to find that hope where we like, but we will pick up again. Like we will be coming back and we want to get it right all at once.
0: What was kind of the key for you in terms of um, being able to navigate this as, you know, cause you're, you're on the producer end because, you know, it's your idea, you're working and you're developing the project and stuff, but then at some point you just have to act. So like, how are you at negotiating those two different roles during production?
1: Like Em and I, from the beginning, were obviously working on it together and I was producing it, but we always knew that there would come a time where I would have to step back and act. And, um, you know, you don't want to sort of half do any role, right? You don't want to sort of be a producer and you don't want to be sort of an actor because you're dealing with producer stuff and vice versa. So... Um, at one point, we brought on two other amazing producers, Ruby Leader and Monica O'Hara. And there came a time where I sort of just like handed it to them. And I was like, all right, like, I'm I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to be in the background. I'm still going to be overseeing stuff and being a part of everything. But I now need to sort of focus on the art, the creativity, my craft, and making sure that my performance is as amazing as it, as it possibly can be. And they are so um amazing and talented and hard workers. And it was like a no brainer. And I felt very sort of safe and secure with them, like leading the film.
0: It's always interesting to me, because I've had those things where, you know, I'm on set, and I'm like the writer, director, producer, and you know, and it's, in one way, it's great because if you can keep it small, you can kind of control everything. But at some point, you like if you're trying to concentrate, especially with acting, and like you're trying to be mm-hmm. in the scene, and you can't be worried about like who's getting lunch today, you know, hundred <laughs> percent, and which is which people don't realize how important lunch is on a film set, yeah, uh, but it's like the most important thing ever. It's it's hard. It's a, it's a lot of people coming together at once. Sometimes you don't even know everybody on the day. And there's a lot of chaos around, but so at some point you have to try to get a good performance. Yeah. In in order to prep for that, did you guys do a bunch of rehearsals and things like that to, to try to get ready?
1: Actually, like, no, at least for the actors, we didn't. Like, I had a rehearsal with everyone, but we got one three-hour rehearsal. Like, so I had one three-hour rehearsal with Dark um, or with Elia, who plays Dark, my dad. Um, you know, one three-hour rehearsal with the girls. But I mean, it was one of those things that when we were in casting, it was so obvious that the people that we picked knew what they were doing and that they understood the characters. And so I think we were very lucky in the sense that when we got to set, everyone sort of just got it. Like they just knew what to do, you know, and M is a very collaborative um, director who is like very open to improv and stuff like that. So when we were doing scenes, like we definitely had, you know, the scene and the dialogue and the arc or whatever, but she also like let us explore, which can always bring a lot of naturalness to a performance. You know, so I feel like when you're seeing sort of the magic on of the relationships on screen, that's kind of what you're seeing.
0: When you're doing these rehearsals and stuff, are you doing this all like this, or it's all via Zoom, or are you guys actually in a in some place together?
1: No, we. Um, so at this point, we were definitely like on, we were going to film, you know, there was COVID protocol out now. There had been a couple of film movies that had already been filming. So we sort of knew like what to do, masks, social distancing, you know, testing, all that kind of stuff. So we had um, a little rehearsal space and we were able to all get together and, you know, we were separated in our own chairs, in our own space. We had face shields so that we could actually see what each other looked like. Um, which is, you know, a challenge all its own to kind of perform with those on, but um, it was great. It was, there were no problems. It was a lot of fun. It was finally great to be able to see each other in person, but we did do all the casting and callbacks through um, Zoom, which I always commend the actors on because it's it's very difficult to sort of try to sometimes capture the essence of a performance like
0: this. It's funny because I I've auditioned actors before and it's my least favorite part of doing any of this stuff. I like uh, casting to me is like torture. You know, it's it it's great to meet all these different people, but one thing that I found with the self tapes and things like that and, and people taping at home, it's so much easier to cast for film and television because you have to see people on camera anyway. Yeah. You know, and at sooner or later cuz I I don't know if you've ever had this experience where like you were talking to somebody in the room and there's great chemistry and you really like the person and they seem to be great And then you look at the tape and you're like, oh, that's, that's not really great at all.
1: Yeah. They're really,
0: they're really kind of flat on camera. Yeah. And and then you have those experiences where it's the opposite, where you feel like, oh, that guy was okay. You know, he's all right. And then you see the, the, what's on camera and you go, oh, wow. Okay. This guy gets it.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. We were able to start with self tapes, which is, I mean, it's so great with the, like the convenience, especially during the pandemic, you know, and, and. Um, you can eliminate very easily. I mean, you can just sort of run through them. You can see how people look, you can hear how they sound, um, and you can really narrow narrow down and kind of, you know, definitely get that essence on a nicer camera and then sort of have that, that great next step of being able to be on Zoom and um, have a more personal interaction. But you know, it was always definitely frustrating when you would have like technical issues, you know. And I always felt bad for actors because you know, I've definitely I, you know, I still auditioned through the pandemic and you get on a, a Zoom and you know, if you freeze in the middle of reading a scene, it's always it's always really awkward and or like having to exit and come back in. But you know, so there's pros and cons, but it it's it's definitely been I mean, you know, not all hope was lost about how to continue in the industry with the pandemic going on.
0: I've worked on a few films since, um, you know, since COVID hit. And some of them are my own projects and some of them are the bigger projects. And like you were talking about working in face shields with masks on and, you know, all that stuff. It is very. you feel a little bit like an astronaut, you know, yeah. <laughs> like you're just kind of like in space and you just want to like you just want to be able to talk to people. And it, it's so um, it's I was just on a uh I was just on a shoot and I, I was doing behind the scenes photography and they asked me if I wanted to jump into a scene and I'm like, yeah, sure. Fine. And then I realized they didn't know what I looked like yet. Yeah. So I, I was like, cause I was covered from, I was like, I could be hideous from here down. Do you want to like <laughs> see my face before you cast me in this movie? Right. You know? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know? And I, you know, I did, I think I just, you see my back anyway, but like, It's, it's, it's that type of weirdness. And then you can't remember what anybody kind of looks like. And it's very hard to recognize people's faces. You know, you say hello to the same person. You're like, did I, did I, do I know that person? Did I? You know, like it's, it's still very, very weird. I mean, maybe there'll be a day when we're not doing that, you know, sometime soon, but it's like making movies isn't hard enough, you
1: know? Right. Right. Or or expensive enough, even now having to add like a whole new um, section, just for COVID, which was also a challenge of ours is like, you know, you think you figured out the budget, you figured out how much everything's going to cost. And then now you have to go back in and rework everything. I mean, M even had to go back in and like edit scenes or cut out characters because you're trying to cut down on how many people are going to be on set, you know, so, so therefore cutting down on spreading or who how many people can be in a room together and it's just you know i mean it's very surreal when you i mean it feels normal now like in the sense that you're you're used to that this is how it is but every time i have like a conversation like this where i have to like re-go back and like rehash the changes that we made i'm like wow that was really uh crazy at the moment
0: it's going to be weird when it's back to normal too if it ever get you know like, I mean, right. I don't know about you, but living in New York City, we were kind of like in the epicenter of the disease for a while. And, yeah. you know, if if I see two people without masks hug, I start to have a little mini panic attack, you right. know, and, um you know, and on sets, it's, it's kind of like it's it's going to be I mean, it's going to be a transition either way. And but like, I, I do think it really does force you, like you said, like, hey, what do we really need for this story? You know, like what right? what what do we need? To, like, oh, you know what? grandpa doesn't need to be in this movie. So, you know, cut out grandpa, you know, kind of thing. It really, it really drains uh, on, on the independent budget.
1: Well, testing too. Yeah. I mean, testing is expensive. Um, And especially, you know, when, as the main character, I was the person like almost never wearing a mask because you're performing and stuff. So I was getting tested all the time because I was just, you know, walking out and about and that stuff adds up over time. So it's, Yeah. I don't know. It's a new, it's a new world. It really is.
0: So right now you guys are, you're in your festival run. You guys just did Brooklyn. What's kind of the plan for the movie going forward and what do you see happening?
1: I mean, crazy enough, we're only halfway through the year and um, we're still getting acceptances every month. So I, we're very proud of our festival run. Um, we have gotten, you know, we haven't announced them all, but we've gotten into over 10 festivals, you know, and we're winning awards and we're just like super proud and super um, lucky and just, you know, you never know how an indie film is going to do. You you really don't, you you hope and you you try your best, but it's, you don't know. Um, so we're very, very happy with how well it's doing. And we're also lucky to say that um, we're talking to distributors right now. We've had a couple of offers um, for distribution. So that's kind of next. You know, once the festival run is over, we'll be releasing Balloon Animal. Is, and it just sort of depends on on where we go or who we go with. So that's very exciting.
0: Do you see it getting a theatrical run or do you see it going right to streaming? <sighs>
1: Um, you know, that's the other thing with with indie filmmaking. You don't know if, you know, um, you know, we're realistic. We understand, you know, where the movie stands and that we don't necessarily have the most famous people in it. Um, but we think it's a good film. We know it's a good film. It's a great film. It's a lovely film and it's really resonating with people and it's, it's getting out there and we think it, um, has a place with a theatrical release, Um, whether that is with a distributor or whether we, um, try and go at it ourselves, um, that's to be seen, but, you know, sky's the limit is kind of how we always think.
0: Congratulations on all the success that you've had, you know, so far. And I wish you luck with it. Distribution is its own. Like there's, there's, it's so hard to just make the movie and then, you know, when it comes to like distributing the movie and marketing the movie, and then. You know, at some point, they're going to ask you for a bunch of deliverables that you're going to have to pay yeah. for. And that's like a whole other budget. Um, it, it's it's kind of it kind of feels like, you know, like, oh, I just ran this marathon. And someone goes, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> you got another <laughs> you got another one or you got two, to run, yeah. you know, uh, and it's uh and and if you don't, the mo- nobody will see the movie kind of thing. yeah I, So I wish you luck with all that stuff. And I hope you have good people on that end that are protecting yeah. your interests. What is up next for you? What do you got going on? What do you see on the horizon?
1: Uh, M? is currently writing our next film. Um, but we are also, uh, oh, I forgot what that's called, but um, oh, we're, we're soliciting material as well. We are open to reading other people's scripts. Um, we're constantly on the lookout. You know, writing takes time and you never kind of want to rush or pressure the process. So, you know, whether it's the film she's writing right now, or whether we read someone else's script and we're like, wow, this is amazing. And this is for us. Um, that's, that's what we'll do next, but we're definitely, um, ready and rearing to go and you know we do love filmmaking as challenging as it can be and you know we think we're pretty good at it so we we are eager to go to the next project
0: if someone wants to learn more about you about the film where can they find you guys online
1: can um, find us on Instagram um, I her Emma Emma's Instagram is got Emma so at got Emma you know kind of like got milk and then I am cat G. Period Waddell, you know, that's our Instagram. We also have our website, First Bloom Films. We uh own the production company that made Balloon Animal. Um, and then we also have balloonanimalthefilm.com where you can learn more about us. We're constantly um posting and updating. We're very active. We respond to DMs, we respond to emails. Um, so just come and come and chit chat with us if you want to learn more or check out our
0: websites. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. And thank you all out there for taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more of our content, including our movie reviews, visit our website, norestfortheweekendpodcast.com. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And now you can subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash getbehindtherabbit. Once again, I'd like to thank my guest, Catherine Waddell, and our sponsor, JMR Rentals. For Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.
2: Turning Red, which is a Pixar movie that is now streaming on Disney+. It's not in the theaters, um, and it may as well be called All About Puberty, <laughs> because it's about a young girl who's 13 and lives with her mother and father, and coming into that period of life, <laughs> and I must say that there is a bit of frank talk about her having her first period, which is a little surprising in a Disney film, so it's not for the little kids... Uh, If if you're a parent and you've already had the talk, let them watch it (laughs) because it's really wonderful. Uh, It goes through all of the turmoil that happens at that age and and what happens with her, which she finds out was sort of a curse of the women in her family, is that whenever she feels a strong emotion, she turns into this gigantic furry red panda. And what are you at 13 but strong emotions? So uh, it happens at all the most inopportune moments. The solution is that there's a ritual they do during a blood moon, in which the the panda part of them is separated from the human part of them and encased in some type of jewelry. And thereafter, they are not bothered by the the wild panda part, and can continue on being, you know, good little women and good little girls. However, what happens with this girl and her name is Maylin. she's played by Rosalie Chang and her mother is played wonderfully as a voice actor, of course, by Sandra Oh. Well, the relationship so far has been really close and she's been the ideal daughter um, when this starts to happen to her, she starts, suddenly gets rebellious ideas, she, but she's afraid of disappointing her mother. And then it turns out the mother has problems with her mother. And yes, grandma does show up eventually. And it's just wonderful, all that mother-daughter tension. And the panda really is just a metaphor for the normal things that teens do when they try, uh, start to separate from their parents and friend, friend, when friends become more important. But it gets everything right there's a a couple of moments when the girl is so embarrassed once by something she's done, but once by something her mother's done in front of the other kids. And I've never seen a movie that portrays that type of embarrassment Uh, visually so well. There's alarms going off and the strobe lights and the close-up of her face and she's sweating and her face is red and it just brings back those moments when you just wanted to die and sink into the floor. It's just so evocative and I have to say this uh, uh, movie was written by women and it was directed by a woman and while anybody who has gone through puberty is going to get it, um, it's really wonderful about the way uh that girls go through that time of life um and and as a really satisfying ending to where she decides uh, you know she's she's figured out how to control her panda and she eventually decides that she wants to keep it which i thought was great (laughs) so anyway it's uh, it was very very touching made me cry a couple of times and if you have Disney plus i really recommend watching it (laughs) Thank <laughs>